morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here. And today, as we celebrate God's gracious provision to us of this new building, this new church building, it would be good for us to think about the question, what is it for? What is the purpose of this new space? There's more than one answer, of course. But one word that would sum up its purpose quite well is the word fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship with God and fellowship with each other. Fellowship means friendship, unity, togetherness, just as the children were singing. What we want for this new church building is for it to be a place of joyful fellowship. For those of you who are here for the first time, you are catching us in the middle of a, a sermon series where we are looking at the basics of fellowship. And so far into this book of the Bible, 1 John, we have seen that fellowship with the triune and life-giving God means, first of all, walking in the light of Christ, and secondly, abiding in the truth about Christ, walking in the light, abiding in the truth. That's what we've seen so far in this sermon series. And today, as we come to chapter 3 of 1 John, we will see that fellowship with God also means living out our new birth in Christ. So the, the slide that was up there uh, is a bit outdated. That was the old title for this sermon. The new title is Birth and Death. Okay, so that's the title of this sermon, Birth and Death. And the sermon text, as I said, is 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Dear friends, as I read these words, please receive them with meekness and with thankful hearts, for these are the true and infallible words of God. 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself, as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for this word, for this beautiful, wonderful word. Please open our hearts so that we may understand. It is in your light that we see light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Looking at this passage now, brothers and sisters, our focus this morning will be on the new birth. The new birth. We will consider three aspects of the new birth. Number one, the wonder of the new birth. Number two, the marks of the new birth. And number three, the benefits of the new birth. The wonder, the marks, and the benefits of the new birth. So first, in verse one of this chapter, what do we see? We see wonder. The Apostle John says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. This statement actually flows directly from the final verse of the previous chapter, which ends by saying, Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. In the last words of chapter 2, John touches on this idea of the new birth, of being born again, of being born from God. And just the consideration of this fact causes him to burst into an expression of wonder. See what kind of love. The new birth is a thing of great wonder, great amazement. It is a wondrous thing because it is supernatural. Its origin is divine. A man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, 
wondered at the new birth when he was talking to Jesus. This is in John chapter 3. Jesus had said to him, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus was confused. He said, How can a man be, be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus then answered him. Jesus explained that one must be born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. God must grant this birth this new birth, by the Holy Spirit. It is not humanly possible to make this happen. The new birth is supernatural. It's origin divine. And therefore, those who experience it are called children of God. The new birth is a wondrous thing because it is such a rich and sublime expression of God's love to us. The new birth happens only because of God's love only because of it we are not God's children by nature by nature we are children of the devil as it says in verse 10 so why would God want to have us for his children why would he want to be our father not only are we small lowly weak creatures unworthy to be identified with the infinite creator not only that, but we are also sinners, people who have rebelled against God and broken his law. We became his enemies. Why would he make us his children? Why would he give us new birth? Because of his love, a profound love that cannot be measured, that cannot even be fully understood. Out of sheer divine love, he put inside us a new nature, a new heart. Verse 9 tells us that God planted his seed in us so that we begin to act like him, so that we begin to think like him, to be like him. Just as every child, as you know, unavoidably behaves like his parents, at least to some extent. So, not only does God rescue us from everlasting destruction, which is already amazing, by the way, but God also raises us up to the amazingly dignified and privileged position of being God's children, of being children of God, of having God as our Father. What a wonderful position to be in. Just think about it. Parents, parents, do your children really understand how much you love them? Not even close, some of you might say, right? How much less are you able to understand just how much God loves you, his children? See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. The wonder of the new birth. Dear church, CDPC Puchong, the reason that you can celebrate this building, this new church building today, is because God has made you His children. And so, Brothers and sisters, we are not only celebrating a building today, are we? What are we celebrating? 
we are celebrating a family, a home. This is home. We are home. And it's all entirely because of God's love. Praise be to God for the wonder of the new birth. Now, the marks of the new birth, the marks of the new birth. What does it look like when someone experiences the new birth? What are some of the signs that show whether or not someone has been born again? John mentions these in this chapter, first of all, because he wants to distinguish between the true children of God and the pretenders. There had been false prophets, false teachers in this church. But John also mentions these because he wants to encourage the true children of God to continue growing, to live in accordance with their new nature so that they behave more and more like children of God, more and more like the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So he is telling us, if you are a child of God, you ought to have these marks. You should have these marks if you are a child of God. I'll mention three of these marks briefly. One mark is separation. Separation. When a person is born again, there is a separation that happens between him and the world. He becomes strange in the eyes of the world. People will tell him, this Christianity thing has really messed with your head. You're a different person. And John explains why. He explains why this is the, this is the case in the second half of verse 1. He says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The world does not know God, therefore it does not know his children. The world does not know the Son of God, and so they do not know his children. They do not understand his children. And sometimes this can even lead to hostility and persecution. Verse 13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. One mark of the new birth is separation. Another mark is righteous living. Righteous living. Verses 4 through 10 as a whole section talk about this. But it would suffice for us to look at verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This can be a scary verse if you take it out of context. Can, can it not? Because it might seem like you're not a true Christian if you sin at all. But we know that's not what it's saying. Remember what John said in chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So John is not asking for moral perfection. He's not asking us to be perfect. However, he is highlighting the fact that there has to be a radical change in a person's life when he is born again. A deep, radical change. It makes no sense for a person to be reborn by God and not acquire any of the characteristics of his new heavenly father. The new birth is supposed to give a person new spiritual DNA, we may say, so that he begins to hate the sin he once loved and to love the righteousness he once ignored. So that's another mark, righteous living. The third mark of the new birth, as we see in the next section, verses 11 through 18, is love for others. Love for others. Verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life 
because we love the brothers. If we truly love others, especially if we have genuine love for the church of God, that is a sign, John is saying, that we have passed from death into life. That's a sign that we have experienced the new birth. Notice that I say genuine love, genuine love, true love. This should be a love that is self-sacrificing, as we see in verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It is an open-hearted love, a kind of love where you allow the sufferings of other people to enter into your own heart and life, and not a love that only helps when it's convenient, but closes up the heart when we realize that it's going to cost us. Verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? <coughs> Genuine love is a love that acts. Not a love that only says nice words or makes empty promises and refuses to help in any real way. We see this in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Genuine, self-sacrificing, open-hearted, action-oriented love is a mark of the new birth. So separation, righteous living, and love, these are the marks of the new birth that John lays out in this chapter. If these marks are not realities, in your life, if they do not describe you in any way. If you don't think that you have experienced the new birth, even if you've been in church for much of your life, I strongly urge you, I beg you, to come to Jesus Christ. It is only in Christ, it is only in being united with Him, in His resurrection from the dead, that we may be born again. Perhaps you have known things about him. Now you must come to know him. Perhaps you have believed things about him. Now you must come to believe in him. He must become the greatest object of your trust, your hope, and your love. You must recognize him as the most important person in your life. Because he is. He's the king of the universe. He's the savior of the world. And he welcomes you, whoever you are, with open arms to become a child of God. The Bible tells us, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Cry out to Jesus and he will rescue you from all evil. Through him we become children of God and enjoy all the benefits and the privileges that come with being born again. So we've considered the wonder of the new birth, the marks of the new birth, and now we will look at the benefits of the new birth. One benefit that is available to the children of God is assurance. Assurance. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Verse 19. When the marks of the new birth begin to show themselves more and more in our lives, then we begin to have greater and greater 
assurance, confidence that we truly are God's children and that our relationship with Him is a relationship of love, not a relationship of condemnation. A Christian can have strong assurance of a good relationship with God, not because he does not fail, not because he has no sense of his own sinfulness, but because he sees in his life something greater than his failures and sins. He sees the work of God. He sees that God has planted a new seed, a new nature within him. And we can be confident that God has regard for his own work. It's like when Peter met Jesus at the beach after his resurrection in John chapter 21. Jesus asked Peter three times the question, and you know this, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And you can imagine that Peter's heart in that moment must have been screaming at him, condemning him. You denied Christ three times in the moment when it really mattered. How could you possibly claim to love him? You'd be a liar. You're hopeless. You can imagine that's what Peter's heart was saying to him in that moment. But Peter, being a born-again child of God, found his assurance, didn't he? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. We may lay hold of our assurance in the same way. Even though we fail daily and our hearts will sometimes even rise up as our own accusers, being a child of God means that we can rest on the fact that whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Verse 20. The new birth and its fruits give us grounds to quieten the accusing heart so that we have confidence and boldness before God. We rest our case with him who is not only the judge of all, but is also our father who has created new life within us and certainly sees that new life that he had put there. So one benefit of the new birth is assurance. Another benefit of the new birth, as we see in verse 22, is answer to prayer. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. If we prove ourselves to be children of God by keeping his commandments and doing what pleases him, then we have reason to be bold in our prayers. We've already considered how much love our Heavenly Father has shown in giving us the new birth and making us his children. We can be conf confident then that he will also supply all our needs. Jesus said, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, I know that there are many qualifications that could be made about this in this area, but I will not mention any of them today. I just want to remind you that he is your father. He only wants the best for you. So ask, seek, knock, pray. Make use of this benefit of 
the new birth. Pray without ceasing because he loves you. He loves you. One more benefit of the new birth is future perfection. Future perfection. We have to go back to verse 2 for this. But I left this for last because its focus is on the next life. John says in verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. In this life, we are full of sins, failures, imperfections, even after being born again. But one amazing aspect of being God's children is that one day, after this life, the Lord will bring to completion the work that He began in us. We will become like Jesus Christ in His perfection. Are you hearing this? <laughs> Children of God, there will come a day when you will sin no more. Isn't that just music to your ears? There will come a day when you will sin no more. Aren't you tired of being plagued by the selfish desires of your own heart? Don't you long for release? One day, children of God, you will be completely free. You will not have the slightest inclination in your heart to sin. You will be free, finally free, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You will love people with a greater love than you have ever imagined was possible. That's what's in store for us, children of God. You will see Christ face to face, the face of the glorious, holy, righteous God, and the sight of Him will transform you into His likeness. As it says here, when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. So, brothers and sisters, having this great hope, let us continue to purify ourselves. Verse 3 says, everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. If we have been given a new nature through a new birth, let us live according to that new nature. If we long for the future sinless purity that we will have at the end of time, let us strive for purity now as much as we can by God's grace. That is one of our goals, after all, as a church. One of our goals as a church is to grow spiritually and make progress in our sanctification. That's why we come to the means of grace. That's why we come to fellowship with God and with one another. Now, the motto of our church, as many of us learned recently, is Him we proclaim, lives He transforms. Here at this church, our hope is to proclaim Christ, to hold Him forth, lift Him up for all to see. Because when we see Him, we become like Him. As John says, we purify ourselves as He is pure. We become holy as He is holy. We become loving as He is loving. Him we proclaim, lives He transforms. In Christ, men and women are born again. Do you long for rebirth? We find that 
in Christ. The lives of those who are born again are marked by righteousness and love. They enjoy assurance before God, answers to prayer, and the hope of future perfection. May that be our testimony in this city, dear church, and may God be glorified for his marvelous love that he has given to us, that we should be called children of God. Amen. Let's pray together. O oh God, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this space here on the seventh floor of IOI Boulevard. You are so immense, so infinite. But we thank you for your love, a love that has allowed us to call you Father. We thank you for this family, this home you have given us, and that you are pleased to dwell among us and to care for us as your children. Help us, O oh Lord. Our lives are such a mess because what we will be has not yet appeared. We need your help in all things. Grant this congregation the resurrection power and victory of your Son, Jesus Christ, so that your name may be glorified through us. We don't know what the days ahead are like for this church, but we take comfort in the fact that you do, Father. You have promised that you work all things together for good. Father, keep us near to you, please. In one sense, that is all that we ask. Keep us near. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.